Welcome to the Dose of Caesar, the podcast that runs experiments, explores new ways of thinking, and interviews the most interesting people I've met in my life. This episode is a conversation with my friend Alex from Los Angeles, California. He is a licensed clinical social worker, and he is also a somatic experiencing therapist. He was also one of my jujitsu buddies when I was in LA, and we sit down to talk about therapy, talk about life, talk about cooking, talk about jujitsu, and I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Um, hopefully interview more interesting people like yourself because you've you got a whole profession and stuff and and I wanted to hopefully like give people who listen something useful that they could possibly use you know totally. so, so if somebody wanted to become a therapist or something they'll listen and see your whole journey and who you are and stuff yeah, maybe take it. something out of it yeah open um, book I mean I, I, I can't tell you what I can't tell you but I'll I'll tell you anything I can yeah, yeah. But I also wanted it to be a, a conversation, kind of like a conversation. So I'll do my best. I know I might come off interviewee at points, but it's just, this is kind of the beginning of my, of the podcast still. Um, yeah, that, which that, that is actually part of the two, two of the main reasons I wanted, I reached out. And when I saw this one is I couldn't believe you were already on episode 140 something when I saw it. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I know that you're the kind of guy that you're on episode 140 cause you got to, solid work ethic and you pro and you probably still think it sucks 140 episodes in and are trying to make it better. <laughs> it <so. does. laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's cause you know what I, I, I really believe in like consistency. So repetition. So I've been doing it for like a year and a half or two. And the beginning is just terrible, Alex. It's like Caesar gets on the mic and he just talks about life. It's so dude, cringe. Dude, I, I, in all honesty, like it's, well, a couple of things. One, I, I, you know, I, I don't have much of, you know, I don't have a big online presence. You know, I don't, I don't have a podcast of my own. I don't, I don't do that kind of stuff. You know, I don't market my business with social. I don't really market my business at all. But um, when I see guys, you know, guys like Gary V, you know, hmm. sort of in, more inspirational, you know, be like you just said, be consistent, get it out there often. You know, don't worry about yeah. perfection. Um, I saw a clip of him just the other day, you know, Somebody asked him, you know, is it speed, your speed and quantity of content or quality of content? And I mean, he didn't even hesitate. He said quantity, hundred percent. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean quantity? Quality is subjective. Get the shit out there. It's uh, it's one of like the biggest barriers because you see like not a lot of people listen and stuff. And it's just kind of like you want the end result already, but it's like, what is the end result? Right. It's like, are you trying to, for me, it's like, I'm trying to create something that I would be. I would want to listen to that I'm proud of. So sometimes like uh, when I, for some podcasts, I've, I've been proud of them and I'm like, that's, that's what it's about. And then, and I've fallen off. Like there's been months when I go out without doing a podcast and that's the hardest because coming back is like, ah, I got to start all over again. Yeah. That, and that's the, yeah. I mean, building momentum is one of the hardest things in the world, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I can go, I can, I can go, I can go nine months without going to the gym or I can go to the gym every other day for nine months straight. You know, either way, 
the the momentum whatever the momentum is is the easiest thing in the world to do yeah different that's hard but it's it's weird because it's like uh it's not a it's not an actual it's not a thing that you can see the momentum right right? it's just a thing that you it's like a mental thing it's it's so cool um but but yeah i dude i was gonna ask you i was looking at your instagram and i didn't know you cooked so much i was uh, like you're like a chef like me. <laughs> what was the most recent thing you made was uh, like a, uh, it was like a uh, potato. I searched it up because I didn't know what it was. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, those latkes that I made the other day. Latkes. The, yeah. So they're, it's a tra- traditional Hanukkah treat. It's so oh, good. okay. It's sort of like fried hash brown, the potato pancakes essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, cooking is, you know, that, <sighs> You say you want it to just be a conversation. I, I could just yeah. wax poetic and tell you a story and not let you get yeah. word in edgewise. The um, cooking is sort of it, it's. Uh, people have asked me before, like, what you know, why why don't you try and cook professionally, whatever? And I, I, um, I, don't know, I, I, I get cautious about turning a, turning your passion into a job is always a risk, of course. Mm. But for me, it's cooking has always been, you know, I. I, I live in my left brain a lot, right? My my job is to see patterns, to 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 try and create change in people and, and problem solve to a certain degree and, and things like that. Um, I I personally I, I think that what I do also is is an art form too, and mm-hmm. I could talk about that for a long time. But long story short, like it's, it's important to me to get into stuff that's more creative and, and more, um, that's less, you know, it, it, it's problem solving, which is something I enjoy and something I'm good at, but it's, it's not life and death, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, if your food's a little too salty, you, you adjust, right? There's, there's always, there's always a solution. Um, so it's therapeutic in a way in that, in that sense, it's also, um, it's it's just a it's something that I call it my love language. I enjoy I I just enjoy cooking for people. I it's one of the ways I stay connected to like my grandparents who who've been dead for you know some of them a few decades. Um, but when you can you know when you can go into the kitchen and you can and you can re- recreate like that sauce that your grandma made when you were a kid right she hasn't made it for you know she's been dead for two decades but you can you can bring the, the all those smells you can bring those tastes back into the room it's like bringing your grandmother back from the dead essentially and and sometimes oh. recipes is all we have and so my it's just something my wife and I are really um really passionate about really connected with that. Yeah. Like my grandmother or her grandmother is, uh, she immigrated from Sicily back in the, in the sixties, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, she had two boys, so none, neither of them care about cooking at all. Yeah. Of those, of her two boys, she, she got three granddaughters out of it. And my wife's the only one that's bothered to learn her grandmother's sauce. Oh wow! Like that recipe, that recipe, that that family recipe from Sicily would die with her if my if my wife didn't learn it. That's you know that's crazy that you you're talking about. I had never thought about food that way. Maybe it's because I'm still uh, a little young and 
and I haven't had a lot of deaths in my family, right? But it was only this year that I started to think about it more as an art. Before mm. it was just like a thing I enjoyed. And and I, I've never thought of myself as, as an artist, but this year I started to realize, especially after I started taking more pictures of food and I wanted to make it look more beautiful. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, not just seeing the picture, right? I was like, that's really pretty. But realizing that you're, as you're in the kitchen, you're like making art. And uh, there's this thing where I get lost. And but I, what I mean by lost is that my friends say that it's, it's like a lot of work to cook, but I don't feel that because like I enjoy every process from the pan heating up (laughs) (laughs) to like uh, letting things cool down, letting it wait, you know, that little bit of patience. And, and now that you're talking about it and you've been cooking for a while, it kind of, uh, it resonates a lot with me with what you're saying. And I've, and, and I've never thought about the the thing about how you can bring people back. If you, uh, if you cook the recipes, uh, last year, I actually uh, I kind of talked to my grandma about certain Mexican recipes like pozole and menudo that she sure. makes. And uh, I keep a journal and, and I, I wrote down her recipes in, her, in the journal because I, I call my journals like my time capsules. Mm. And and so now I have the, the tamales recipe in case anything ever happens. I can go back and remake them like she did. And and so that was what was what I was thinking as you were talking about like your grandmother's recipe and your, your wife's grandmother's uh, recipe. It's, yeah. it's amazing, bro. Yeah. It, you know, and it's, you know, the, the, well, there's two things that I'll say about it. One, uh, you, when you were talking, you know, making food beautiful and things like that, it's, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, little, little pleasures, little subtle things that happen in, in life that, that I just, when I notice them, I, I, I love it. Like, um, so the, the one that popped into my head is, you know, when you're, when you're cooking four or five different things, right. You're, you're, you're not just, you're not just making a dish. You're, you're putting a meal together. Yeah. And you know, when, you know, when, when, when the potatoes come out of the oven as the timer goes off for the Turkey and you know, the, the, the gravy is just, you know, just perfectly set and, and, Everything, you know, the, 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 the beef is resting on the table waiting to be mm. cut. And, like, and just the, when it all comes together in that, that moment where it's all done at the same time. And that there, that to me is one of the most satisfying. It's just the, the dance of it all and the timing of it. Yeah. Um, and it's one thing to like make a pot of spaghetti and it's just, here's a thing and it's hot and go ahead and, and eat it. But yeah. Like I'm thinking about, you know, <clears throat> with Thanksgiving having just passed, right? Like, mm-hmm. And that, that was, um, the, I made, I made this, uh, this mashed potato recipe that my mashed potatoes took two hours and 45 minutes to make <laughs> J- just for the, ma- just for wow. the mashed potato. And so like to, to have, to be able to do that dance, right. Of that, I, I know that Turkey's going to take about six hours. Yeah. You got to plan it. It's going to take two and planning it all out. You know, like when you, it's like when you pull into a parking spot at the mall, right. As a song ends, like right as the song's fading out as yes. you pull into the spot and turn your <laughs> engine off. It's, it's the best. It, it's, it's such a satisfying feeling for me. Yeah. Like this, uh, for this Christmas, I got a little upset with myself because I cooked the uh, the steaks before I made the potatoes, and now I had to wait 
and my steaks got cold and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> but you understand. And then I finally understand why chefs are so, I know chefs on TV, they, they, they're a little theatrical, a Sure. but you know, this past year I, I got into a catering kitchen. It was a high-end catering kitchen because I wanted to see if like maybe cooking is what I want to do. And these chefs are kind of like the same where they're not dicks about it, but as soon as it's serving time, it's like, all right, go, go, this goes, this goes now. And it's that art aspect of it, of like, this is hot now. This needs to be eating now because it's, it's a combination of the flavor, the heat, the texture. And if you wait any longer, you were messing with my art. Right. Do you, do you play music at all? Oh, dude, do I play music? My, my, my dad tells me to shut the hell up all, no. all the time. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's similar, right? Like it's, uh, yeah. you know, if you're, you're playing music, you know, you, if, if you miss, if you miss the note, like there's no going back, you, you, mm. you're, you, the, 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 the music, the piece goes on, right? So you, you miss the note and <clears throat> it's gone, it's gone forever. Right. And, and, if yeah. you, and if you, if you miss too many notes, you're, you're not really playing the song. And, especially in a kitchen like that where you're, you know, when you're cooking for hundreds of people and individual dishes and stuff, it's, it, it's, it's an orchestra playing this, this really complicated piece of music and yeah. every, you got to hit your notes. If, if you don't hit your notes, the, the, the piece sounds bad. You know, it's, it's, it's one mm-hmm. thing, you know, if, if, if your note is the parsley on the French fries, like, and that note gets missed every once in a while, that's not that big of a deal. Right. But if your note is the stakes, like, yeah, you, you, you can't miss that note. <laughs> yeah. But even, that. even the parsley, sometimes it's like, it's what sometimes just elevates it. Some people won't even notice it. Right. But you'll notice it and you'll be like, there's this one component missing that if we had it, you would have just taken it up a little bit farther. Yeah. That's, that, you know, that, that's a, at, at the risk of, of stepping into like weird, awkward, humble brag territory. There, there's certain kinds of food that I, mm-hmm. I, I almost never go out to eat. Like what? It. Like Italian food. Like, really? Yeah. My, my, my wife, between my wife and I, that there's, there's nothing we can't make. It's, Wait, and and I, I I realize how egotistical that sounds, but it's one of the no, like, you're good. She, she grew up, you know, she's she's a, she's a first generation natural born. Her her dad her dad immigrated here when he was two from from Sicily. Like there's her her she grew up eating her grandmother's recipes. Like it, it's I mean, it, who's that? I don't know. I don't know if I'm offending you or any of your listeners by no. talking about this dude, but uh, I don't know if you, you know who Sebastian Maniscalco is. Yeah. 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 The comedian. Yeah. Like super, like he's Dane cook in 2008 right, right now. Yeah. Uh, everyone for some, you know, making more money he's than huge, God. huge yeah. right now. <clears throat> I have yet to hear him say a funny thing, but <laughs> um, and now I'll never work with Sebastian Maniscalco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he he does I he does have a, this one joke that I, I do find funny that um he, he talks about you know uh you know, Ital- Ital- Italians don't send food back at the restaurant they'll just fix it at the table mm. right <laughs> your boss comes I have this neat, give me give me the crushed red pepper I forget exactly how the bit goes but it's there there's some truth to that right like, you know when you grow up eating when you grew up eating your, your grandmother's like the real deal stuff. Yeah. The best stuff. <clears throat> yeah. So we don't, 
it's um and I, I what I've what I've learned over the last couple of years with cooking, you know, I I, I don't follow people ask me for recipes all the time. Like the, mm-hmm. the reason why, whenever, if you look at my Instagram posts, I always put what's in it on in the, it, it almost has like a men, like as if it's on a menu, like this is what's in the dish. I couldn't tell you how much of each of those things is in there. I couldn't tell you necessarily what order I, I I'm not following a recipe. Like this is not, this is not how I cook. It's, mm. it's actually really difficult. It would be really difficult for me to even recreate any of those things that I have, I've put up on social media. Wait, really? Wait, so how yeah. do you, how do you, how did you do it? Is it because you've been cooking so long? Like you just, it's, so that, that's what I, so, you know, the, the, what I've learned about cooking over the last, the, maybe the last four or five years, especially it's yes, your ingredients matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the recipe matters and, and the way that the food is seasoned matters. Um, the technique that you use when you're cooking, mm-hmm. that's the thing that matters the, by far, like far, it's the, it's the most important thing in the world. But like you, you take, look at an egg, right? Mm-hmm. Arguably the most versatile ingredient in the world, an egg. There's a thousand different ways to eat an egg. Yeah. It's all about how you cook it. Mm, okay. Crack it, in, crack it into a glass mean. and drink it raw or, you know, poach it hard boil it right like it's i mean i I, fry it i i have four different i have four different techniques that i use interchangeably just for scrambled eggs i have four different ways that i make scrambled eggs really i use the i I tried to use the um the the chef ramsey one but continue i'm sorry i interrupted you (laughs) no no that that that, that's been that's been one of my that's been my go-to and my my favorite is it is that the one because i if you, when you get good at it, it's, they're spectacular. Well, I don't know if I'm, you know, the first time I did it, I thought I was eating like raw eggs. Cause you know how it's supposed to be very creamy. Pretty runny. Yeah. 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 Creamy. Runny. Uh, I mean, that's something I had never had. I think most uh, people that I know have never had an egg like that. And if I served <laughs> it like that to them, they'd say it still needs to be cooked. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's not the case in France. Cause like I was, I was watching a video. They, they said that Americans, we overcook our eggs too much. Japan too. Japan, there's a lot. Oh of, yeah, a lot of very. Um, I mean, like tamago, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Tamago sushi, that like sweetened egg custard, and it's. Um, I don't know if you ever watched that. Uh, it was a big Netflix documentary a few years ago. Um, it's a he- a Hero dreams of sushi. Oh, dude! Yes, I watched it. That was pretty mind blowing. It was pretty great. Like two years, right? Like it. it, it two years just to learn how to make that one dish. Yeah. If, if I, if I remember right, I think it was, I think, you know, yeah, it was something crazy like that for the rice as well that you spend. So, yeah, you, yeah. you don't do anything else, but rice for like two years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. And then the, the son's been doing it for like 30 years and he's still not the head chef, but right. because Jiro's still alive. Right. Yeah. And I'll, and I will, um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm one of those like I, sort of racially ambiguous. I'm not white, but I certainly grew up with white privilege kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and this here, this is one of them that I that I don't remember exactly when that movie came out, but I was like that ignorant white guy that didn't know you. You're supposed to wash your rice until I saw that movie. Oh. It was that. Yeah. See exactly. <laughs> I, like I. Not, not, no, I don't think that's that big of a deal. I'm like, I, I don't, I wouldn't have known if my parents, my parents just said, wash the rice, but even to this, is it necessary? <laughs> I mean, 
it's the 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 two the two the the cultures that I'm aware of that eat the most rice all wash it and mm. we it's we don't here like I I it was never a thing like it was yeah like rinse it beforehand yeah I mean yeah I mean it's a it, it would it and it makes it makes perfect sense I I I grew up being told to to wa- you know wash fruits and vegetables yeah yeah doesn't mean I did it. Which is probably why my immune system is as strong as it is. But, um, but yeah, no, I never, never, it didn't occur to me. I, I mean, I was embarrassingly, like, that would have made me like 25, probably 23, 25, somewhere mm-hmm. in that neighborhood before I learned that you're supposed to wash your rice. It's a yeah. game. It's a game changer. Is it? I don't, I, uh, it's a, it makes a big difference. It oh, really, really? I, maybe it's because I've always washed the rice, but I've never, I mean, I just rinse it. Am I supposed to let it soak? I mean, I don't, I, I think maybe, maybe we're both being really <laughs> rice maybe. ignorant at the moment. It's, uh, I, 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 it stands to reason that it'd be different for different kinds of rice. Maybe mm. I, I imagine sushi rice, for example, you would want to be like really clean. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I'm doing my sushi rice correctly. Uh, according it's like Jiro spends two years. I, I only, right. I, I just wash it. And it's, since it's sticky, I'm like, all right, this is good enough. But I really, it's cause there's so many, so many things to learn. I don't know how to start. And you're talking about, uh, uh Italian cooking. That's actually one of the things that I really want to get into, especially mm-hmm. making pasta by hand. I, um, you know, uh, you know, the chef Felix or no, the restaurant Felix chef funky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I watched his, like, he has like a little documentary on Amazon prime and I watched it and he's a little, He's like a really obsessed with pasta, but it, it, I tried to make my own handmade pasta. It sucked. I've only tried once, but it just yeah. made me, what it made me want to do was I, I'd like to go to Italy to learn from people who had been doing it for a long time, just because I just think things like that, like we were talking about the art of it. I feel like it's an art and certain arts call me like, like a, the cooking and, and pasta I think is, is incredible. And since I'm not Italian. I'd re- I'd really love to learn how to make some amazing pasta. Dancing's another one that calls me jujitsu. Sure, there's these arts that. Yeah, you know that I I had that I had this thought earlier in our conversation too that there's um you know when when you were ta- when you first started talking about cooking and um there, there's there's something. There, there's just something beautiful about having something in your life that you suck at, mm. but that makes you really happy. Yeah. That it's, you can get good at, right. That you can improve on or, or not. Right. Like who, who cares? Like if you get better at it, great. It's, you know, the, I, you know, a bunch of dudes, you know, a bunch of people that we, that we were training with before this pandemic, mm-hmm. the, the, um, you know, not to, uh, <clears throat> there's been some belt promotions. Yeah. over the over the last eight nine months right which is and i'm super excited jealous uh, jealous that everybody you know that people have managed to find ways to maybe still train maybe they're doing private lessons whatever i don't know i don't know how i don't know what's going on but i certainly like i i was i i don't know that i would have gotten my blue belt by the end of this year if i'd been able to keep training the way that i was but mm-hmm. like, you know, to see the people that we were training with regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, like they're getting promoted. It, it'd be really easy to go down that like jealous, envious, yeah, comparison stuff, path. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's like it, it's I, you know, I, 
so we so we I had to take a break from jujitsu because the world was on fire and yeah like I'm it, I'm I'm not really I'm not really there because I care about the belt promotion anyway that's that's not really why I'm there it it I'd be lying if I said it didn't it doesn't cross my mind from time to time I'm human of course but the the real reason I'm there is because the the reason I started jujitsu is because I I. I wanted something in my life that I knew I wasn't going to be good at, that I knew was going to be difficult, that I could focus mm. some of my attention onto so that I don't overly obsess about something else in my life. Um, and cause it scared me like, yeah. one, you know, that, that those are the reasons I walked in the door for the first time. And yeah. Doing something that scares you. I mean, I remember my first class, Cause yeah, I knew I was going to suck, but it's just this thing. You have to get over your ego of like, especially if you've been somewhat good at other things, or if you're not used to doing that, like you're talking about, if you're not used to sucking at something, you're always comfortable. Right. Uh, doing it for the first time is really scary. And then, but yeah, it's just, it's uh, maybe jujitsu is special, but or maybe there's a lot of practices like that. Um, it just, uh, it brings I, up I, into your life. Yeah, I think there's a lot of practices like that, and it's um, there. They are there are things that people put up on pedestals a lot of times mm-hmm. that um, you know that, like, that it's for special people in some capacity. Like what? So martial arts is you know being obviously being what we're we're jumping off on this topic with, but um, you know, yoga is another one, mm. right? which is technically a martial art. I realize, but it's intimidating and you're going to suck. Like it, it, you, you have to spend a couple of years to, to, to like suck well at something like yoga. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like you, you suck in a, in a good way after a couple of years. At something yeah. like <laughs> I, I think working out, you know, working out in, in general is one of those things. Golf. It's incredibly hard to be bad at golf. Yeah. Like it, it's, um, you know, they're, 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 so these activities, right. That we put them up on a pedestal or we reserve them for retirement. If, you know, mm-hmm. if we're talking about golf, whatever, but if that's the, if that's the attitude that we have towards failure, right. That failure is something that only special people do yeah, or failure slash like leisure activity or something that we reserve for late in life, which is how most people live. Like it's a, it's a really shitty way to go about life. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that it's more exciting and more, more uh, rewarding. Like you're talking about just being okay with failure once. Cause I feel like, like you said, if you avoid failure for a long time, um, because you think it's a bad thing. Um, but what if you, if you face it, um, you realize there's really nothing wrong with failure and then you start to enjoy it that's what you're talking about you realize in jiu-jitsu it's not the, about getting better it's just like you enjoy this this thing that everybody's doing with you you enjoy the camaraderie that comes with it because there's a community around the whole art of it and having something to connect with with people um it's just yeah that's that's one of the reasons i miss jiu-jitsu yeah i, I, yeah, I, have, totally. I haven't done it in, in like a year and uh, wow yeah, that, and that, that bums me out because you, I know we're talking about walking into something that you suck at. You, you didn't suck starting day one. Like you, 
<laughs> I remember your first day. <laughs> no, that was, well, that was when you met me wasn't my first day. I had been going to the night classes and I'd been like really soaking it in. And then I decided, oh, I gotta, oh, I gotta, okay. I gotta go gotcha. to morning classes too. Yeah, so so I got honey dicked is what you're saying. No, no, you've been going for months, and then you you roll into the first morning class. Bryant looks over at me like, "It's his first morning class. Take it easy." Okay, it was my first like, yeah, it was it was like (laughs) it was like two weeks in. It was two weeks in, and you ripped my head off. I think I was muscling through things, I think. And oh, that's, maybe. that's one of the things I look back and I'm like, I wish I would have been more like Sam. You know, Sam, how he's so technical, so loose and not muscling through anything. That intrigues yeah, me. Yeah, it's true. I, it's, um, you know, I think, so, so interesting, right? So now, now we're diving, now I'm, I'm just talking. Um, Go for it. This is what it's free, about. Free associations, fun like that. <laughs> I, I, I think that there is, I think there's a lot of value to what, in what you bring to the table, like you and Sam together on a mat. Right. I, I think, I think you both walk away from that learning something. Right. Cause I, I agree with you. I, I, I love Sam and I, I, I wish that I were, I wish that I could be as relaxed on the mat as he is. Yeah. Right. Like he, it's, it's easy. There, there, there's something about the way, like there, and you know, and I, I've been there, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, like there's, there's something about, you know, there, there's something about having the magic button to make mm-hmm. anything stop at any yeah. time, right? Yeah. That that you know, there, there's it, it. It's ironic how safe you feel doing something that is objectively so dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but it goes beyond that with him. There's there's something about the way he's able to stay so calm on the mat that that I'm envious of. That being said, I've, I've, you know, I've also, I've also heard criticism of like about, about a guy like some of like, man, if, if he, if he had a little bit more oomph in it, mm. like he'd go from being really good to great. Mm. Um, I, I see what you mean. The little, the little bit of intensity. Yeah. yeah. And so I, and, I always thought he reserved it for competition, but I don't know. You could be right. I've, I've never seen yeah. him. Compete. I mean, I, I, I've obviously, you know, I've, I've rolled some sparring rounds with him and I, yeah. I always walk away from that feeling like I learned a lot. Yeah. Like you, he's just flowing with you. He's, he's seeing what you're doing and just kind of always a step ahead or the way. So I've just, I've talked about him to my friends. Cause I, I use him as an example of like, there was this guy dude that you would roll with him and he just felt like he was just, I don't know, like you, he wasn't even in danger. He was just so loose and you yeah. could move him around. He was fine until you got to like a point where you thought you were going to submit him. And then, then he would like, he would, he would just wiggle out somehow. Yep. Um, have you competed? Do you want to compete? Uh, no to the first question. I'm not sure to the second. Um, yeah. I, 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 I want to, I want to compete for the sake of the learning. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I just, you, I hear it all the time that it's, you know, you, you learn so much mm-hmm. in a competition. Um, and I believe that, uh, at the same time, like it's, um, like I, dude, I've, I, I, I've been doing, I, I <laughs> technically I've been doing jujitsu now for what a, a little over a year and a half. Right? I started, yeah. started in April of, of 19. Um, but I, you know, since March of this year, I've, I've only been to a few classes. So 
obviously still really new at the game in, in a, like t- I, I had a concussion. You got a concussion from jujitsu or something I, else from, from jujitsu. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I ended up with a concussion, you know, um, I, I need my brain, you know, I, I need my brain to work. Like it's, yeah, I had a concussion. I, I, I went to work and like, I, I think I saw four five or six clients that day. Mate. Like it was, um, it, it was, a, it was, it's a, it's a rough day. So it's, I'm, I get you. You got to protect like the, it's, yeah, it's what right. matters more. Right. And then competition, I see how it could be more intense. If you got a comp, if you got a concussion in training, you know, and in, in competition, right. people want to rip your head off. <laughs> right. And it's, and yeah, right. Like how much, you know, I, I can I really afford like miss you lose work because, yeah. I, because I, see. I, I went to a competition. So, and, and so, you know, the, the reason that mentality honestly is probably the biggest reason I, I haven't competed and, and I haven't really had, uh, this is the first time I've had a, even a conversation about competing in a long time. Mm-hmm. I haven't really thought about it, but that there's something about that mentality that I, I know I'd be walking onto that mat overly cautious mm. but to, to the point that like, I, I feel like it would, it would put, I would be unsafe potentially because I, I would be, yeah i wouldn't be fully there right like i i yeah when i get to a place where i i feel like i'm i'm more capable to like really let go and leave it on the mat yeah um but i know i know myself like my my wife and kid would be in the back of my head i'd be you know if if i'm you know if i get if i get hurt like what you know taking time off of work and it's and i'm I'm not saying that i want to feel this way I, i i it's um it's a, you know, like we, we roll, we roll with dude, you know, that are doctors. Like it's yeah. You know, that, you know, that leave, that leave a class to take a shower and go do a, a shift at the ER. Like, so what, why, you know, why am I so special? I, I sit and talk to people for a living, but, um, no, but I feel you. I think my question was coming from like, I was thinking my perspective, right. I don't have a family yet. So I'm like, you know, I, I don't have a lot of things that you have to think about. Cause you're, you bring up a lot of good points. Like, is it worth me possibly getting hurt and not being able to like work for a while? And, and I just wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking, I was thinking like, I want it's it, like, we were talking about the fear thing. It's something yeah. that scares me and I, that I want to get over, but I yeah, see. no. And I, and I, I feel you on that. I'm, 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 in a, I'm in a similar boat. It's um, it's uh, I, I, just, I think the strategy has got to be different, right? Like the, the, the strategy, the, this is here's something I've, I've I've spent a lot of time talking about the last couple of weeks, right? Is um, so let, let's say competing is is a goal that you and I both have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a goal that we want to achieve. I'm sitting here in my 30s. You're in your mid 20s. You're single, no kids. Mm-hmm. I've got a wife. I've got my daughter. Like so it makes logical sense, right? That the strategies we're going to, how we get to that goal, even though it's the same goal is going to be different because we're, we're different people with different lives and different circumstances, which leads to like, which mean with different values, frankly. Yeah. Right. And so the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I will, I will sacrifice my goal or I will take a longer path to my goal 
if it means that I get to stay aligned with my value system, mm-hmm. right? I'm not yeah. going to break my values just to achieve a goal, but I'll let go of a goal to stay aligned with my values. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So I'd never seen it that way. Yeah. So that, that's part of the, part of the, the, the mental math of, you know, I, I could have, I could have kept training this whole time during quarantine and, and every, you know, it's my whole, you know, my work has all been on zoom. Um, part of, part of the, part of the reason I scheduled to do this with you on a Saturday is cause I, it would have, it would have either meant we did it in the morning before I spent the entire day on zoom oh, or it would have been at gotcha. the end of the day after I spent the whole day on zoom. Like my, my, I can see how puffy my eyes are just from staring at the computer screen for the last couple of, couple of days. Um, <clears throat> but you know, it's the, the reason I didn't keep training, right? It's mm-hmm. not that it's not the injury piece. It's, it's not even about me getting COVID. I'm, I've been far more concerned about not wanting to spread it. And, and frankly, I can't, I can't be dishonest with my clients. Mm. I, I, I can't, I, you know, I, I have the kind of career, this might make me sound self-aggrandizing, but like I can't, it, it ethically, right? Like mm-hmm. I, 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 I literally signed a code of ethics for how I will conduct myself as a professional throughout the course of, throughout the course of my, my career and my lifetime. And, you know, if I'm telling everybody I work with, it's probably best to stay home. If you own, only, if you absolutely need to yada, yada, yada. Mm. If I'm, you know, if I'm working with people, you know, and I have been talking with people who are terrified of COVID and terrified of the way that people, you know, other people aren't following the rules, aren't wearing masks. They're confiding in me about their fears about these things but in the back of my mind, I know that I was just rolling around with, you know, yeah. how, you know, how sharing, like literally breathing in the faces, with people. <laughs> sweating on people. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if I could do jujitsu and stay six feet apart from, from people, I would, you know, of course I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, and so there's, there is a little bit of, you know, I, I, I could, I could be, I could be self aggrandizing and, and be like, you know, all these sacrifices that I make and, I don't actually see it that way. Mm. It, like I know what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Right? It, you you sign up to be a cop, and you're gonna you're gonna walk around with a badge and a gun. You kind of you, you're if you get to follow a different set of rules, then you're held to a different set of standards. Mm. Right? Is I see that is sort of the way that I see it, and so I know what I signed up for, and and so it means you know it means you know being able to you know, like I, I've encouraged, I've encouraged clients to consider trying martial arts as, mm. as, as part of the, their, um, but I, but I, I've also had this to essentially make the request. Like, if you're going to do that, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you where I practice because ethically I can't have like, I can't recommend that my clients come to my gym. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to roll around and spar with my clients. That would, that would create an, a really, I would create a little bit of a mixed message about safety and, and things gotcha. like that. Um, and so, so, you know, it's things like that, right? Like if, and, and these are things that, that get taught 
you know, when, mm-hmm. when, when people look at, you know, people don't, mo- the, the average person doesn't really, uh, doesn't fully understand what kind of training actually goes into becoming a therapist. The, the things that we're asked to think about and, and try to understand mm-hmm. that, that most people take for granted. Um, and so, and this, this is one of those things that doesn't get talked about very often, which is, is the, this, you know, it's sort of dual relationship, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, <clears throat> you know, when people ask, are you analyzing me and everything? And I, I'm, I'm really not because it, it the, for me to, I, I, I'm not taking on that role in anyone's life without their consent, first of all, but mm. It's also it, it's also just a boundary of you know I you know I, I can't go to the same you know I, I, I can't go to the same church as my clients mm. I you know I don't you know when, when I when I have clients who I know live in the same neighborhood as me you know it's I have to I you know that if you're my client, mm-hmm. right. There's a real story. This, this actually happened to me a, a few years ago. Um, and the, the girl I'm in this story is still my client to this day. Um, okay. And this happened like four and a half years ago. I was, <clears throat> I was sitting at a Starbucks in Brentwood. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- I was, I was, I was going to run at a group, uh, at a therapy, a trauma therapy group that I was going to run that night. Um, at this treatment center that was across the street uh, that that treats teenagers with substance abuse and mental health issues. Okay. So I was a few hours early. I was studying. So I don't remember what I was studying. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sitting, reading, whatever. And this girl and one of the other girls from the treatment center, they came into the Starbucks to just to get a, a coffee. Mm-hmm. They order their drinks. They get it. They They leave maybe a little bit of a glance, you know, a little bit of eye contact, but no, you know, no conversation or anything like that. Fast forward two hours later, these two girls are in my group and just behaving in a way that I've never seen before. Like just being like really disrespectful. It was really strange. So I, so I asked them about it. Turns out they were furious with me and I, okay, let's, (laughs) let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Their feelings were so hurt that I didn't ask them to come and sit down with me or that that I didn't engage in a conversation with them that they, they were just livid and they were, they didn't want to, they didn't want to talk about it, but they didn't want me to not know that they were so upset. Wow. (laughs) And so we, so we had to have this conversation about it and, and the, the, the reason for that is like, if, if you're my client yeah. and you know, you're protected by, you know, client privilege and confidentiality. If we bump into each other in, out in the real world, legally, I, I, I can lose my license. I could lose my job, my ability to practice as a therapist. Mm-hmm. If I initiate co- that conversation. Oh, wow. If you come and talk to me, yeah. Then then I, I kind of get to make the choice like any regular human being would, of course, gotcha. but, but I'm, because if I start the conversation, 
Yeah. I don't know who you might be with, right? So mm. if I come over and start talking to you and then, you know, let's say your new girlfriend mm-hmm. or whatever walks over like, oh my gosh, who is this? And now you're in an awkward position to either lie to her <laughs> or, or tell her that you have a therapist and here he is. Yeah. You may not know that you have a therapist. You may not want her to know that you have a therapist. All, like that, that, so all these things are set up to protect you and your privacy. Wow. So, so you have to comp, you, you have to draw a line between like your profession and, and like, uh, it's not the same as what you're saying. It's you can't just, same. yeah, no. And, and it, and it, and it, it spills over into, into regular life, right? Mm. It, it spills over into, you know, grocery shopping, right? Yeah. These are the, the kinds of things that you're, um, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of who is, ar- who is around me at all times. Is that because you, you want to make sure like your client, if your client is around or why? Uh, it's a combination of things. I think, I think part of it, you know, part of it is that I'm a trauma therapist. And so I've, I've got, I've, I've got a little, you know, um, you can tell things about people or I can tell things about people. And, and it's also, it's, it, um, you know, if, if, if you just, if you watched nothing but like Dateline and the first 48 and, you know, if you watch nothing but shows like that for like 10 hours a day, mm-hmm. five days a week, you might, you might feel differently when you walk down an alley at night by yourself the next time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I, yeah. Okay. I, I see what you mean. I hear, the- lot, I hear a lot of really like really gnarly stories from a lot of different people about people doing really gnarly things. Um, and you know, I, I still get to walk around in the world as, you know, a five foot 10 bearded tattooed dude who rides a motorcycle and whatever. And like, you know, I do a little jujitsu. Right. So like, I don't, I still, and I talk about, I actually talk about this with clients pretty regularly. Like it's uh, like I can walk outside at night with headphones in mm-hmm. music at full blast by myself and feel perfectly safe. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's a, it's something that it's something that if we're not careful, we can take for granted. And as a, as a male therapist and especially a male trauma therapist, you're talking, we were talking about values before, right? So mm-hmm. one of, one of my most important values is inclusion. Like we, we, if it's part of the story, let's, let's, let's include it. Right. Like we're not, we're not keeping secrets. We're not burying our head in the sand. We're not hiding. We're not hiding from the, the truth just because it hurts a little bit. Um, or, or even cause it hurts a lot of bit really. Uh, and so this is, this is one of the things that I professionally that I own and include on a pretty regular basis. Like I, I have to own the fact that I'm a, a man. Hmm. I have to own the fact that I, I might look like the person who hurt you. Right. I'm, I might, I might be, I might be similar to the person who, who sent you to my office. Oh, wow. Uh, so like these are, it's not always true. Right. But I have to be open to, I have to be open to like, I had a, I had a client, just a couple of weeks ago who, 
was upset with me because I, I had shared I, something fairly and fairly benign, but mm-hmm. I had shared something personal about myself during the session, um, in an effort to connect with them. Mm. But, but the way that it landed, it re- it reminded them of that I have something that they don't have. Oh. And so, you know, these, these really, these really subtle things, right. That, um, you know, what, what is therapy? Like what, what does, what do I really do for a living? That mm-hmm. one of the, I didn't have an agenda for our conversation today, but no, you're one, good. Of the, one of the things I was thinking about <clears throat> beforehand was like, if, if, what if, what if, he, what if Caesar does ask me, what if he asks me, what is therapy really? It, it's, it's a complicated question that obviously I'm sort of zigzagging from topic to topic, even trying to describe it. But, um, I do, I do have a lot of questions. I have some questions that I've written down, um, on your profession. Cause I found it really interesting. Um, I think, uh, sure, yeah. Yeah. One, one of the things, um, that I wanted to ask you about is what is, I guess it's similar to what you just asked, but it's what is somatic experiencing therapy? Cause I was reading on your website that you do somatic experiencing okay, yeah, yeah. therapy and I, I wasn't familiar with that, but I thought it was interesting because like your, I don't know if you would call it like your mission statement, but like your line that I kept seeing on your website is that it is my belief that healing comes from within you and, and, and be, and be within the context of relationship. And so yeah. I, I thought that line was really interesting too. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So, so somatic experiencing therapy, ba- Basically, it's a so it's a it's a program that I did um, after after I finished my master's degree, mm-hmm. um, and it's a, it's a it's a version of it's hard to describe because it's it's not it's not really a therapy technique so to speak. Mm-hmm. There are there are techniques involved. It's it's really more of a it's really more of a philosophical perspective almost, but I'll I'll try and describe what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. So the, in a nutshell, the, 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 the sort of core belief of somatic experiencing and, and now kind of the, the PTSD healing world in general. Um, Mm -hmm. This was a pretty radical idea about 30, 35 years ago. That's now becoming more and more, um, more and more uh, widespread, and just mm-hmm. sort of more widely accepted, uh, and that is that um, it, it's that our body actually remembers and stores our trauma far more than our brain does. Mm. Our, our our brain doesn't actually hold a whole lot because the part of our brain that creates memories doesn't really work very well when we're in a traumatic situation. Gotcha. But our but our body stays there, right? So, huh. for example, um, like phantom limb syndrome, right? So, so you know, your 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 arm has been amputated. Oh yeah, but you can still feel like you Thinks. can still feel the pain in your finger from where the chainsaw, whatever, right? Wow. Uh, so like it it's it goes beyond it, it the 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 
the physical body doesn't even have to still be there, but the, um, so really the, the, one of the most radical ideas that was in this world is that trauma is not about an event Mm -hmm. that occurs. Um, which, so historically, um, so it's not about the event. It's also not about any sort of deficit or problem with the person, which is mm. what it was, what it was often. So in, for example, <clears throat> during the civil war, mm-hmm. PTSD was called basically called like battle nostalgia or homesickness. Wow. <laughs> so it was literally like you're, if, if you're, if you're, so traumatized like you just want to go home basically you want to go home and be with your mommy is how it was how it was perceived back then wow so then you fast forward to world war one and ptsd was world war two you mean world war one from oh, okay gotcha civil, civil, war. civil war okay gotcha from the civil war to world war one after world war one it was it was uh it was called battle fatigue mm. so 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 basically it was the government going like, ah, we pushed you a little too hard. Right. Like, gotcha. You know, most people would probably be able to handle this, but you know, you're, you're fatigued, right? Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Couldn't possibly be that this was the first time anyone had seen machine guns or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, World War II then comes along and that's when they, that's when it, they started calling it shell shock. Mm. So they're getting a little closer, right? Shock, the shock actually applies. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're recognizing like the advancements in technology, right? The, the, that it's uh, messing people up. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that Psychologically as, as, as warfare has gotten more advanced, right? Yeah. It, it didn't, it's, I'm not going to say that it's easy to watch someone get stabbed by a bayonet on a battlefield, mm-hmm. but watching one guy get stabbed by a bayonet, versus watching 300 guys get mowed down by a machine gun. Those are two different experiences. Yeah. The two very different experiences. Um, so, so that's like, so that's how the misunderstanding and kind of misrepresentation of what trauma has looked like over the years. Now we know like it, it's, it's not about the event and it's not about a deficit within the person. It's, so the, the Peter Levine, who's the man who created somatic, somatic experiencing his, one of mm-hmm. his favorite definitions of trauma is that trauma is unintegrated resource. What does he, what does he mean by that? So what, he, so what he means by that is that if as human beings, if, if we are, if we feel safe enough, if we have enough support and enough resources around us internally and externally, Mm -hmm. there's absolutely nothing that we can't endure and get through as, as a species. It's the, it's the absence of, of one of those pieces. That's what actually creates a traumatic response. So for example, if, uh, you let's say you're in a car accident, right? And mm-hmm. you're in a car accident, your leg is broken. You're, you're able to pull yourself out of the car. You're lying on the street and no one shows up. 
mm. 10, 15 minutes go by. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a road that nobody travels on very often or something like that. Right. So now, now this, the fear starts to set in the panic of, is anyone going to show up? Anything like that. The, the amount of time that you spent alone believing you might die that's probably what that that's far more likely to create a PTSD response than the broken leg. Oh, wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That does make sense. And I, I just find it really interesting. I've never, (laughs) I'm smiling because I'm like, that's crazy. I've never thought about that. So it's the, um, so in another way to, another way to look at it and think about it is like, uh, the uh, the failure you know when whenever we're in a, a particularly stressful or may, potentially even traumatic situation, we all want to fight, we all want to run, or we all want to just sort of shut down and and let the bad thing pass, right? Mm-hmm. If what you really want to do is run away, and you're unable to do that that's going to that that desire to run away from the pro, from this dangerous situation that impulse to get away because you weren't able to do it that's going to stick around wow right? or your desire to fight but because you were so little like, you know you, you really wanted to fight back and protect mom from stepdad you know hypothetical domestic violence situation right but you're five he's 45 and that size differential you're completely you're completely powerless in that situation and so that 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 may create this pattern inside of you in your nervous system that you know when when big people are putting are are exuding their power over little people your heart starts to to race and your jaw gets tense and all the, all these things that happen in our body when we see something, when we're in what what's called a state specific memory, right? So you're, you're, you're in a similar situation, witnessing or experiencing something similar. And so your body goes through a similar response. Hmm. Wow. Uh, this might be, I don't know if this is a proper question to ask. It might be a very difficult question to answer. I'm sure. But sure. how do you, how would, what are like, uh, things people who have experienced something like that would start doing? Um, I know like talking to a therapist would be like number one, right. But is there, what like kind of techniques do people go, how do you get, if it's in, if it's in the body, right? Like the body kind of remembers this. Is there a way, how do you begin to heal that from within sight? Like what activities, habits, what things do you start to do? Yeah. So uh, any, I would say any any sort of activity that allows you to be as present as possible. Mm. Right. So, so some form of mindfulness practice mm-hmm. um, and, and that allows you to, that allows you to be in your body. And this is, and this is the most important part to be in your body and feel safe. Mm. It's a lot of trauma that, that, that impacts our body. And, and at the end of the day, a a lot, if not all trauma creates this distrust of the self distrust of the body. Right. And so we don't know, we don't always feel safe in our own, in our own skin that. So if, if you're that person mm-hmm. that like you used are always wanting to crawl out of your skin, 
that that's the person if, if anybody that's listening to this is that person that's the person who i would say like for sure reach out find somebody um and reach out anybody who wants to reach out to you that then can reach out to me I've, gotcha. I've got I've got people all over the country that practice in this way, so mm-hmm. that I can connect people with. But um, but so any anything that allows you to be in your body, that allows you to feel to be present, any sort of mindfulness practice. So uh, that and that's literally anything from walking, hiking, yoga, martial yeah. arts, mm-hmm. meditation whether it's a sitting meditation or a, a moving meditation, a guided meditation or a more transcendent, uh, yeah, transcendental, um, more mantra based meditation. Yeah. But the, the, I know I've said the one thing I, 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 I need to break that habit. I say it a lot because there's a lot of one things, but, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> trauma, and, and really mental health, I think this is true for a lot of different diagnoses and, and things that people struggle with, but the things that we struggle with have a tendency to pull us either into the past or try and, or so we, they either pull us into the past where we start to perseverate and regret mm-hmm. and be resentful and all that stuff, or it pulls us into the future and just creates a bunch of anxiety and worry and paranoia and all that stuff. One of those two things is almost always happening. Mm, So for, for anybody who feels themselves, you know, perseverating over the past or worrying about the future or some combination of the two, I mean, at at the end of the day, the, the more present you can be right. The, I, I, the more present you can be the, I'm just going to say the, that's how I'll say this. The more present you can be, the, the more able you are to respond to life. Yeah. In like a, in a non-reactive way. It's kind of, it's right. kind of like you get to choose versus just reacting. And all of a sudden you're in another argument with like your parent or something. And That's you're right. like, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I use, I don't know if you've heard of the waking up app by Sam Harris, mm-hmm. um, the meditation app. And I've, 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 I started off with headspace, but I've really fallen in love with like the heads. I mean, the waking up app because it's got uh, a theory portion to it where they're like little podcasts where it talks about kind of like certain thought experiments and it gives you different perspectives on how to think about things that happen in your life. Um, but, um, that waking up app I've been using for, for like over a year and a half. And, and I do find, yeah, I do find that it's, the practice of just like 10 minutes a day and um, kind of you, like you say, uh, being present. It, 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 um, when I don't do it, I notice that I am more prone to be dwelling on things that I haven't done, like mm-hmm. judging myself more like, Oh, you're not good enough. You haven't been, you haven't been doing this. You haven't been doing this. But for some reason, if I do like 10 minutes a day, it's not like it fixes all my problems, but it, I do feel like I have, um, I don't know, maybe it's like some more grounding. I don't know. I don't want to sound too woo, but it's like, it's, uh, it gives me a little something that I've, I've felt a, a difference. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about jujitsu and why I think it was so addictive because every time I did jujitsu and, and I'm sure you had this experience, I mean, I'm not thinking about anything else, but like not trying to get choked out or trying to choke someone out. 
<laughs> and and I leave jujitsu and I and not not one time during that or one second during maybe one second, but not a minute that I spend in jujitsu like thinking about some sort of problem. It's uh right. it, it was more about what's in front of me and how do I get out of this and and I see how why exercise, certain exercises or anything like you said that brings you present is so for me addictive. It's like, oh wow, I need more of that. Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, I had, um, I did, I, I, I've had a, I've had a very similar experience with jujitsu and it's, it's, it's really one of the, it's one of the things I miss the most about it. It, There's, there's, there's something powerful about starting your day. I I, I think there was something special about our, our morning classes in particular. Yeah. Right. Like we all, we all talked about it. It, The morning mayhem. Yeah. There was some sort of different connection than in the afternoon classes. Yeah. This is a different, it's a different, it's a different animal. And, you know, I, I talk about life and death all day long. Right. And Mm. I, I, you know, I, I, the people that I work with and I, and I, I love them. I'm not, this is is in, in no way, in no way is this, speaking ill of anybody. Um, mm-hmm. I love my clients, the the people I talk, the, the people that I work with, you know, it, trauma in their lifetime, trauma from past lifetimes, addiction, death. I mean, like you, you saw my website, right? Trauma, yeah. trauma, yeah. grief and addiction. Like th- th- those are my three, those are the three things I, I've, de- I've, not just I talk about every day. I've dedicated my life to those three things. Um, going, walking into a gym, hugging my friends, and then practicing murder. Essentially, <laughs> it it makes talking about that that kind of it just makes talking about that stuff easier. It mm. it, it, it there it's some there's a you know it's a when I start my day fighting for my life and then sit down and talk to people who struggle to make that choice, frankly, mm. like that's the, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of people who I work with a lot of people who, yeah, who struggle to choose life sometimes in a, in, in as literal a way as you can take that sentence. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes very much metaphorically, thankfully it's mo- mostly metaphorically. Um, but not exclusively. And it's, um, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't been through every experience that all of my clients have been through, of course. Uh, but to, like I said, to there, there's just, there's, there's something powerful about the word tap too, that I, I, I don't want to, I don't want this call to end without, without mentioning, cause it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot you know, sometimes the stuff you can see, sometimes the stuff that you can't. And I think the, the, the only thing there might be more of than pain is, is the belief that pain is permanent. Mm. And there's something beautiful about that. I, I, I didn't, I didn't really, I couldn't put my, my hands on un, until until I started jujitsu, I've talked with my therapist about this a bunch. I've shared this with my wife. I maybe I've even said this to you before. I, I don't know, but 
no matter how bad it gets in that gym on those mats, if you say tap, your pain stops. Yeah. And you get to, you get to reset. You get to think about it. You get to evaluate and plan and you get to go after it again. The world is not, you know, the, the world isn't quite that accepting, right? Like the, or the, mm-hmm. the, the world in, in, in general isn't necessarily that supportive that you can just be like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa I quit. Hold on. Reset. Yeah. It's not that apparent immediately, right? Where it's somebody not, just lets yeah. go. Right. It's not that apparent quite it, beautifully said. It's not that apparent that immediately, but that practice, right? The, 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 I, you know, I, I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm somebody who grew up as an athlete, right? I, I know mm. what it means to bite down on your mouthpiece and push through, mm. right? I, 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 I have that skill set. I've, I've been that guy. I, I, I'm, I'm still taking care of injuries in my thirties from my teenage years because I was that guy. Yeah. And then there's this way too, right? The, and you can tap right? You can, you can try and muscle your way out of it. You can try, you know, you can try and be, you can try and be psalm and just relax and, 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 you know, dead arm your way out of the submission. Or you can, you know, or you can do, take the opposite approach. You, you, you know, you could be Fernando and who just a little Tasmanian fucking devil (laughs) and, and both strategies work at different times, right? Like I'm, I, I, I'm grateful for all of it. I think, like I said before, like I think there's something that we all can potentially learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what I love about, it's what I love about walking onto those mats. Yeah. But at the end of the day, for me personally, in the, in the way that, in the way that I was sort of conditioned when I was young, the, 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 the things I learned growing up for better or worse and strategies that I've acquired of how to get through life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until jujitsu that I had something that, that truly allowed, like I, I could, I could, I could get emotion. I could, I could keep waxing poetic with you about just this word tap. And I could, I could probably, I could probably bring myself to tears talking about it. If I really wanted to dive into all of the, all of the nuancey meaning making things that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're recording me, so I'm not going to cry on camera. So <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to say for people who are wondering if you, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people caught on, but in jujitsu, if you don't know anything about it, you tap or you can just say a tap and uh, right, it's right, basically right. like you give up and you get a restart and nothing happens. But this, uh, this thing that you're talking about is something actually really beautiful and that I was thinking and trying to find a way to bring up because like I brought up the waking up app and there's this one little lesson, it's three minutes, but it's impacted my life so much and it's called begin again. Mm-hmm. And, and all it talks about is that in every moment you get to, no matter what happened in the past, begin again. And that's yeah. essentially what the tap is in, in jujitsu. You failed a moment ago, but you tap and you start again with that new knowledge of what happened when you failed. And and I've listened to that three minutes over and over again because I think it's something so important. We were talking about consistency earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, you're maybe you haven't done something even like for 30 days, but in that day, you can choose to 
press the restart button, tap and, and begin again. And for me, that idea has helped me start a lot of things, has helped me let go of self-judgment. You know, the self-judgment is usually what is keeping me from doing a lot of the things that I want. There's a quote that says, uh, I've had a lot of problems in my life, most of which have not really, have not happened anywhere, but in like in my mind. Uh-huh. It's something like that. I butchered it, but it's, it's the idea is that most of our problems are in our head. And if we allow ourselves to just restart, there's so much that we can do. Yeah. Right. And it's, and yeah, I think that you're, you're exactly right. And it's, there's, it's, there's an old, um, you know, the, well, of course there's the, the Buddhist principle of reincarnation, but Mm. the, my, my favorite interpretation of, of reincarnation is that, is that we, you know, with every, with every exhalation, we die with every inhalation, we're born again. Oh, wow. Every wow. breath is a death and rebirth, right? Which, which is an idea I've been aware of since I was 12 years old. And, and it, and it's exactly, it, it's the same thing as you know, like what we're saying, you know, mm-hmm. tap, reset, reevaluate. Um, and it, just different languaging, but it, in my, for me, it, it's done two things. One, like I said, it's you know with with pain right there's there's a lot of pain being endured in the world and um not all of it can not not all of it can just not all of it's going to listen when we tap but mm-hmm. more of it does than we think we just don't think to tap mm-hmm. we uh make assumptions right right the other is we do a really, really bad job in our society at teaching, especially I mean, things that things that I wish were taught to me when I was four. But we do a really bad job of teaching failure. Frankly, mm-hmm. it, it, it's you know I, I I work with a lot of people. Every one of them, every person I've ever worked with has had parents, and every one of them, it, it this is. You know, we, we overvalue success over contentment or peace, whatever word you want to use there, but yeah, we, we overvalue success and achievement. We oversimplify what the word success actually means. And we, mm-hmm. we, we basically just boil it down to how many commas are in your bank account, but we do a really bad job of teaching kids how to fail because mm-hmm. it, it it's inevitable yeah that there 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 are you know there, there are only a few things in life that are inevitable and they're the things that we do a really bad job of teaching yeah death is inevitable we do a terrible job of teaching kids about death taxes and finances are inevitable because of the world that we live in but i don't know about you i I took a high school economics economics class, but it didn't teach me shit. Yeah, no. <laughs> Failure is inevitable, but no one ever taught me how to fail. And sex is inevitable, but no one ever taught me how to have sex. Mm. Why? <laughs> I, I genuine, like, genuine, <laughs> earnest question. These are four things that every single person, like, virtually every person, not everybody's going to have sex, I guess, technically. That one's a little bit of an outlier, but... Yeah, 
I see what you mean though. But the, like, a, what really what I mean by that is that like, like most millennial and I don't know, you're a little younger than me. You, you maybe even got this worse, but I mean, we're on like our third or fourth generation of men who learned everything they know about sex from pornography. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just say this out loud, like the, the women uh, out there really just, you know, if you learned what you know about sex from pornography, your partners are not enjoying it. And I'm just saying that out loud, like mm. complete, completely aside from everything else that we've said <laughs> in this whole conversation. I'm just saying that out loud because I, it, it, it's the truth. Um, some truth. All right. But, but we, but you know, circling back to failure, right? Like failure yeah. is inevitable. We are all going to do it, 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 it every single day. Mm-hmm. even the things in my life that I know I'm really good at. Yeah. I still fail on a fairly regular basis, but the only thing that we really teach kids about failure is that failure is something to avoid and be afraid of. Mm. What if we celebrated it? You know, what if, what if, What if you went and signed yourself up for a pottery class on a whim because you've never done pottery before and you wanted to you want to go play with ceramics for whatever reason? So you take the class for a couple of weeks. Turns out you you hated it, but you learned that about you learned that you don't like ceramics. Yeah, the perspective in you know in most cases the perspective would be well that was a waste of time that was a waste of money whatever. Says who? Yeah. You, you went out there, you took a risk. And obviously this is not the most exciting example in the world, but like you, you took a risk, you took a shot. You could call it a mistake or whatever, but like you, you, you tried something in hopes that you would enjoy it and you didn't. Mm-hmm. That's it. There, there are no other consequences than that. Yeah. But you learned something, right? I was thinking something. I was thinking, I mean, I've been thinking about the same thing and I was, I was this year for Christmas gifts. I, I wrote some letters cause I didn't buy anything, <laughs> but in my, in my letters to my brothers, I told them that if there's something that I've learned in the year 2020, cause actually after I, I left LA, I left my job in LA and I came back to Austin to try to start a business. And I told them if, if there's one thing I've learned in 2020 is that the failure is kind of like a fast pass for learning. Because it's scary, but it's scary because you think there's going to be something like a big monster waiting for you at, at the other side of failure. But you get to the other side of failure and we really what you find is more learning than pain. There's some pain of like, ah, I didn't do what I wanted. But, but then you, now you know a method of how not to do it or a better way to do it. And so I completely agree with what you're saying about failure. And, and it's, it's also a thing, I think why maybe um, I in the past haven't have kept myself from doing a lot of things because of the fear of failing. Cause uh, I've always in high school, I was always a top performing, performing kid, right? Get the A, you know, get, get it perfect, get the 100. And what I found that in in college, I kind of avoided a lot of things that maybe wouldn't get me the A. And I think that was a a hindrance and, and something that I've been learning to let go of. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people would benefit from doing more of, I don't know. So I'm glad. Yeah. You know, yeah, I I think it's, uh, I agree with you because it's, it's, um, I, I, I find myself saying 
a similar thing a lot, you know, failure and failure and discomfort or failure and pain. Failure and pain will never be your kindest teacher or mm-hmm. teachers, but they will always be some of your best. Mm. That's, that's pretty good. I like and, it. You know, the, the, you know, as long as you know, the, the, the concept of mistakes or failure too, by like it's worth mentioning, like just the concept of failure is a matter of perspective. Mm, yeah. And, and but it's, I do, I think it's a very good question that you asked, like, why, why aren't these things taught or this perspective taught? Why is the other perspective taught? I think it's a very good question that I haven't, uh, really ask because all the things you mentioned, like sex, um, uh, I, <laughs> I was just thinking about sex, the sex, the, uh, <laughs> the other things you mentioned, right. That are like universal for people that we're not taught um, right. failure and stuff. Why aren't they, why is it, is that perspective taught in school? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I have a, a friend who, um, <clears throat> she's also an SE therapist. She, she, uh, it's been a long time since I've, I've spoken with her. Last we spoke, she, she worked with, um, she worked with children on the spectrum and, you know, kids with developmental delays. Um, and she, she also worked with horses with Mm -hmm. these kids, but, um, I'm stealing this, I'm stealing this from her. Um, she shared with me, this was maybe six, probably six years ago. And, and I, and it stuck. I, I, I use this often. She said, "When I," she said, "When I when I'm starting to when I'm starting to work with a new client, there are four four main areas, um, four main areas about their history, particularly their childhood, that I want to know some information about. Mm. And it's it's sort of related to what we we're just talking about, and <clears throat> you know, this question you're posing, like what what we do teach and what we don't teach, and why and everything." So sort of food for thought, if you want to, you know, for anybody who wants to think about their childhood, the four areas are what, what was, what did teaching look like for you growing up? Teaching, nurturing, discipline, and touch. What is, uh, what would be nurturing? So like the, the, the kind of support that you got. Okay. And, um, one way of one way of thinking about that, like what what was like what was the currency of affection mm. in your in your household growing up? Like, did, you know, were your parents the type that you know, they would they would buy you gifts when there was conflict? You know, or, or was it the were you the kind of household where you know there there would be like some um, you know maybe there'd be a big conflict and then everybody splits up, but then suddenly there's food on the table. And everybody, you know, everybody, so, so food is kind of the thing that settles everybody and food can become a comfort, uh, you know, sort of a comfort object in that, in that dynamic. Um, And so, so it's about how these things show up and don't show up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how were you taught? How were you not taught? Wow. Um, What was nurtured and supported? What was what was minimized, what was, um, you know, what was taken away? What did, what did, what kind of, what did discipline look like? Who did gotcha. it come from? What kind of emotion was involved in it? If any, 
did you know did the discipline seem fair or, or was it disproportionate gotcha uh, and then you know touch touch is fairly self-explanatory but um those four areas can sail can 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 reveal a lot about the kind of uh the kind of environment that we grew up in you know how safe it felt how connected to others we felt where mm-hmm. you know, where, where were the power dynamics was it okay to was it okay to make mistakes mm. and um and is it by once you understand kind of like where a lot of the, I guess the way you act comes from. I mean, I would assume a lot of those, those four things affect a lot of the things you do in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so once you understand what's where it's coming from, is that, is that possibly when you can work to change it or work to. Yeah. So, so it would be, so for example, you know, if, <clears throat> if I have, if I have somebody who is, you know, let's say, let's say the issue was with discipline, right? The, mm-hmm. the discipline was, <clears throat> you know, let's not even take it. It wasn't even corporal, right? Like it wasn't even hands-on, but punishment was very shaming and mm-hmm. uh, discipline was very, um, you know, there, let's say it was like, there was emotional withholding <clears throat> and shaming, mm-hmm. right? So, so that, that's the kind of person who, that's likely the the kind of person who is going to be very anxiously attached, especially the, 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 the more that person cares about you, the more afraid they are going to be to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is probably somebody who's going to self-sabotage, but I'm, I'm speculating like crazy, by the way, I'm just making this client up in my head. But, yeah. Just an example. Um, but you know, like that, you know, the, if, if someone who, Someone who is incredibly afraid of of failure and afraid of discipline is probably somebody who is going to fit one of two profiles, right? This is either going to be the very, very type A, very rigid perfectionist who will get angry at somebody else if they make a mistake because that person's mistake reflects poorly on them, Mm. right? So, so... You know, someone someone who was very very strictly disciplined growing up might make a good CEO or president of the United States, for right. example. Right. Right. It's how it's how somebody like Trump becomes somebody like Trump. Um. The uh, or the opposite could could be the case where that may be somebody who becomes self sabotaging and because because they're so afraid of failure, they become equally afraid of success. And they just want to stay hidden because any attention is bad attention. Mm. And so just two, two examples of how that, how over, you know, when discipline is overdone, two examples of how, of how it may show up with someone sitting in my office. But of course, I'm going to, I'm going to go in two very different directions with those two people. Gotcha. But it's I was, I was gonna, I know, um, I know, I know it's been an hour and a half. I don't know how much time you have, but I do want to yeah, get probably, you back to your family. Yeah. Yeah. I probably got to hop off here in the next couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, uh, because it's, it's been on my mind, um, because we're talking about therapy, like, uh, for the principles, I know for the principles of like healing, 
Is there any like books or resources that you recommend? I know you mentioned a lady, but uh, books or resources online that people could check out to read about like maybe the principles about self-healing? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, so the, the, so Peter Levine wrote his, his first, and really anything from Peter Levine is great. If, um, okay. His, I think all of his books are available on the Somatic Experiencing website, which is traumahealing.org. Um, Waking the Tiger was his first book. That That's the one that I, I, I point people to first, just because I, I think it's the most, um, I think it's the easiest one to read of his books. And it's the, the um, his first couple of books are pretty broad, like this is what trauma is and the, then he started to get more sort of specialized in, in like he wrote an entire book about trauma and memory, for example. So the, okay. so the whole book is very specific. Um, gotcha. there, there's another great book. It's sort of one of those like seminal works in mm-hmm. the, in this trauma world. Um, a book called the body keeps the score. I've heard of that book and I thought about buying it, but I haven't. <laughs> It's it it it's a little it's a little homeworky. I'll admit it, it's a uh, it's a little more technical. Bessel gotcha. Van, you know, Bessel van der Kolk is he's he's very much a scientist and and he writes like one. Um, and I'm just trying to think of others that. Um, I think I mean I think those two are great for people to start off. And yeah, there, there's actually a great book. I'm 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 in the middle of it right now. Uh, it's called. Um, it's right here. It's called the Upside of Stress. The Upside of Stress. Gotcha. Um, and the the basic principle of that book is that everything we think we know about stress, we have wrong. That that the all those headlines we've seen since the eighties of stress kills uh, basically all of that, all of that is based off of one German dude who tortured a bunch of rats for a few years. Wow. And, <laughs> and like, and then just said like, this is what we know about stress. It's like, well, no, that's what we know about torture and <laughs> not, not stress. Like, yeah. Traffic. So it, it's, it's really interesting. The, the, um, you know, I, I, I like to hold the belief that everything exists on a spectrum, right? And there's, mm. there's healthy, unhealthy, positive, negative, comfortable, uncomfortable versions of everything. Um, you know, in including things like happiness and you know, there is bad happiness out there, but so, so differentiating between the healthy and unhealthy or what's comfortable and what's uncomfortable. Um, Gotcha. I, I did, that sounds like a good book, actually. The upside is stress. I want to pick. Yeah, it up. yeah, it's a pretty good one. So yeah. this was fun, man. We should we should do this again. Uh, yeah, I, no. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. Thank you for, I mean, just sharing so much. And I enjoyed that we got pretty deep, and I, I like it. I, I like yeah. to get deep. Um, Anytime. Hopefully, we get to do jujitsu again. Hopefully, Brian opens that gym in uh, in Florida, and we go visit him or something. Is that is that what he's talking about doing right now? Is he thinking about opening a gym? Well, when I talked to him when he was leaving, he said he is his his dream was to open his own gym. So okay, there you that'd go. be awesome for us to go train. I would, I'd, I'd love to roll through there. No, but uh, Alex, thanks so much. If we people want to reach out to you, you have the integrate integrate of me or integratedme.com, right? 